welcome to the Property Funder podcast. Uh, you're here with me, Michael Dean. Um, I'm back with Sarah Stannard for a, a second uh, sort of part two, a second uh, second edition uh, of our conversation. Um, the first episode that we we recorded with Sarah, um, which we did just before Christmas, with the intention of launching that at the beginning of January. Um, so that's going to be going out, I think, this week. Uh, if not this week, then next week. Um, this this recording, uh, we're recording it now um, on the eighth of January. We expect that we're probably going to release this one around the the end of January. And we're, you know, I think we touched on some of the in, in the in the first conversation with Sarah, we touched on some of the um, kind of New Year's resolution style things that you can uh, that you can try to do and how you should approach that. But I think what we're going to talk about with today, uh, Sarah today is um, is actually a more things about how um some some more themes wider themes and maybe talk about how you can carry the the, the healthy lifestyle choices um into you know from not just from january but into the rest of the year and and in the years beyond um sarah first of all how are you are you well uh, yeah. and have, have you had a good christmas break yes thank you it's lovely to be here i am very well um had a brilliant Christmas break. Uh, it was just lovely to stop and spend time with family. Yeah, so I'm refreshed and ready to go. Really excited about this year, actually. I've got so many um, exciting meetings in the diary and lots of plans and things afoot, which is great. Yeah, I, I imagine you've been very busy the last week or so with with clients uh, who are, are regretting uh, some of their choices, their lifestyle choices over the Christmas and festive period. So yeah. I'm very appreciative of uh, of all the time that you're giving us, uh, all of our, our viewers and listeners. I'm sure very grateful um, to be hearing from you again. Um, Sarah, what's um, you know what's been the recurring themes of your clients that you've been having check-ins with over the last week or so? Um, you know, what are their what are their concerns and what are they um, you know and, and what are the what's what sort of consistent themes of advice that you're giving to them? This is a brilliant time of year. Everyone wants to reset and reboot and start being more healthy. So it is a big boom time for me and uh, clients, which is lovely. Um, mainly people are feeling a little bit regretful about what's happened over Christmas, um, wanting to reset, like I say, and re reboot and restart. But I, I'm the sort of person that doesn't, I don't want anyone to feel guilty or bad about whatever way they're treating their body, certainly for not for long periods of time. Um, but lots of people are feeling a bit, a bit disappointed. Um, but I'm very much that positive person of don't give yourself a hard time. Tomorrow's a new day. Um, my favorite day of the week is Monday because it does feel like a reset and it's a, the chance to sort of focus, refocus. So Lots of people feeling a little bit, um, a bit like actually as we get older, you know, we really need to look after our health more. There's lots in the press. And like you were saying earlier, lots on social media, you know, pushing home the point of health. And so people are, people are feeling bad about it. But I'm very much, most of my clients comment about how positive I am and how I don't sort of berate anyone or make anyone feel bad about where they're at. Because um, there's always a... Um, tomorrow's always a, a new start and and you can always move forward even if it's just a tiny step yeah well i, I mean as as expected you know very clearly wise and uh what wise and uh well-intentioned uh words there from you from you sarah um i guess you know we as as many of us and myself included we, we all go into january with the best intentions and um you know and for the most part 
particularly I think the first half to first two thirds of January, we we do tend to generally start to make good lifestyle cho- choices. I think everyone's feeling uh, a bit, um, they've had a bit too much during the, the festive season. And I imagine there's also a financial implication, uh, particularly when I suppose when we when we're younger, um, you know, you're, you're, you know, the, you're broke from uh, you're broke from Christmas, aren't you? And all the, the festivities. And um, so you can't even afford to go out either. So, yeah. um, e- you know, everything is uh, everything is, is much more. Uh, ev- I think people are not very social and don't want to necessarily have big parties in, in, in that first half of January, or at least the first kind of two, three weeks. And then I suppose, you know, you get to the back end of, of, of January, uh, I, you know, there's that, you know, Burns, you know, Burns night, particularly if you're in Scotland or in, you know, I, I think um, I think people in England are quite happy to celebrate Burns night if it gives them the opportunity to have a have some whiskey and haggis. And and then I think it and then I think a lot of those, uh, you know, the parties, and the late nights and, and, and that sort of thing um, start to slip back in. And then I suppose the we all naturally have a tendency to just slip back to the habits that we were that we formed that we've formed over the past years and months uh preceding that so what what's your what what's your advice to your clients who've been looking to sort of make that they're looking to make changes and they've got to the middle to back end of january and then they're starting to see their old bad habits creeping back in what's yeah. the you know what's your general advice to them to be able to sort of maintain uh the progress that they've made up to that point yeah absolutely it's interesting um one of the things as a health coach that I specialise in is behaviour change. And so it is that long term, full on lifestyle change and adaptation. And that's where I think health coaches really help people because we help people understand why they're doing a certain thing. Like, why do you have 10 pints on a Saturday or why do you have four cocktails on a Thursday night or whatever it is, or even the eating you know, late nights, whatever it is that you're doing that you don't want to do. So we help people unpick kind of why they're doing that, what are the reasons behind it. And so once you get to understand that, that makes it much easier because you want to actually understand what complexities you have in place that are making you push towards that sort of behavior. So that's the first thing. So once my clients have started to understand, and because I work with clients on 12 to 15 different areas, so it might be movement, nutrition, sleep, stress, alcohol, um, every every different area of health, then you're unpicking each one. Um, and so I think when people want to make long-term changes and then it does become more difficult I run a program of about 12 weeks with a client and about the six or seven week people are like, oh, this is hard. You know, I want to stay motivated. And so we look at what their goals were in the initial stages, what their reasons behind improving their health were. Um, perhaps they've got a health issue. Perhaps they want to live longer. Perhaps they want to be, um, you know, healthy for to have more longevity or better mobility, whatever it is. And so, we, you know, you kind of, make sure you know what your goals are in the first instance and your reasonings behind those goals and then just keep on track with those make sure that things are measurable like I love keeping track of workouts keeping track of my um, body measurements um, even keeping people like to keep um, a list of like whether they're getting their 30 a 30 a week, they're different vegetables and fruits. So all those things are measurable and that gives you a little bit of a jolt and a bit of motivation every time you reach um, a goal or you see your body changing or 
um, you know, you're waking up without a hangover. So whatever it is that you're you're wanting to do, you measure these things and keep keep yourselves accountable in that way. How do you how do you how do you maintain the the focus on measurement? Um, because I've I think that's one thing I, I tried to do for quite a long time last year. I was trying to sort of track a sort of personal marginal gains um tracker across a number of different metrics there's probably too many things i was probably trying to track too many things from bedtime sleep amount of yep. time i was in a cold plunge number of alcohol units you know i, I think I, I almost was turning the tracking of things into a full-time job yep. how do you how, how do you simplify that tracking experience because one of the things i was looking to do as uh, for example was i was almost trying to find ways of how do i automate that from a you know find a tech solution so that i'm not having to i'm not having to manually input these things every day because i think if it's something that's like for example you talked about the 30 different fruits and veg a week um and obviously we'll 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 talk about that we'll talk about gut health in in a moment but uh, and why that's important but um presumably that's that's it's not necessarily the most easy thing in the world to to track on a consistent and regular basis um you know or it's probably something you don't automatically do if you don't have a say if you don't have do like for example would you are there apps that you can use to track that you know that sort of they're sort of gamified um that that help with that experience because i would imagine otherwise if you're trying to sort of log it in a diary or a journal um that takes that 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 has more friction than if you're just signing in on it you know signing in on an app that you're using on a on a regular basis I've got some clients that go literally above and beyond and they're doing spreadsheets around their visceral fat and their subcutaneous fat and they're keeping those measurements and they're having to complete those and fill those out. And that is, for me, a little bit of a step too far because then it becomes a, a, a chore in itself to keep the records. Um, I don't know of an app. I don't know of an app that um, records that kind of thing for fruit and vegetables. But depending on what the client is trying to achieve, then we would put the small measurable steps in. So one week we would track the vegetables until it gets to be second nature. Um, and you know that your your focus is getting in your 30 a week um, or your focus is reducing your meat, whatever, whatever your focus is. Um, and it only has to be for a certain number of weeks that you actually concentrate on, on that. And then you can move on to the next one um, or have a, have a smaller number. Like it does sound like if you've got sleep and stress and exercise and um, you know, water and, and nutrition as well, that's a lot to cope with. But we tend to work in smaller steps with my clients to get them, get them on, check, on track. Yeah, I'll have to share with you my. I have to show you quite as much as what I was tracking last year, but it 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 just got too much, and in the end, I just sort of put, I had to put my hands up in the air and go, look, this is not this is not viable, not feasible. Uh, it doesn't mean that the habits and the behaviours weren't continued, but at the same time, um, yeah, I think that there's that. I wouldn't. I think overwhelm is probably the right word. Is you yeah. you can just get overwhelmed with the amount of uh, amount of data that you've got to record, remembering that you know we have businesses to run or we have uh, we have jobs and you know we have families to to engage with you know we can't just be robots um how but you know for those clients that you that you're doing this work with uh, and albeit you're tracking different metrics on different base uh, different bases how long do you think it takes before those kind of positive habits become ingrained like when when do those you know when do those habits become i suppose second nature to to your clients yeah. Um, well, I work with clients on a 12 week basis. And by that stage, 
you have put in some definitely um, improved uh, strategies and it becomes really easy, much easier. The thing that I always remind people um, is to test things. So a lot of people take, talk about taking small steps, which I'm really uh, behind. But actually, if you test certain things, like if you spent a week Monday to Friday and you cut out crisps, say you had crisps and sandwich every lunchtime and you just cut those out. See how you feel by the Friday. See how you feel with an extra 10 minutes of exercise. And when you start to test those things just on a short term basis, you'll see how much better you feel. And then it becomes so much easier to just carry on with those things because you're, you're like, oh, this has actually made me feel better. I'm sleeping better. I'm whatever the, the benefits are. And then it just becomes easier completely because you've already installed the, the thing into your mindset. OK, so it, it, for you, it's almost like test things out on a short term basis rather than actually uh, rather than saying, right, well, I, you need to do this consistently for 90 days. So this becomes an ingrained uh, ingrained habit. OK, that's quite interesting. Um, crisps is quite an interesting one because that's, um, you know, one of the things that I'm uh, one of the things that I've started to do is um, what I'm going to start doing now is um, I'm, I'm trying to comp like almost completely eliminate processed foods. Uh, processed food from my diet i mean it, it's not probably not seven days a week probably have a you know have a day off here and there or or, or maybe yeah. don't beat myself up if i have a you know if i have one or two things a day that have got that are more processed and maybe you can talk to our listeners a bit about this a bit more i mean I, a lot of the driving behind this I've, I've got the book here with me which is i don't know if you can see it. it's um a, a relatively new book by um Dr. Tim Spector, who's you know one of the founders of the Zoe app, um, and the book is called "Why Why Almost Everything We've Been Told About Food Is Wrong." Um, but you know, he, him, and I think a number of other uh, you know sort of online uh, online gurus. Uh, I, I've recently discovered a former bodybuilding champion called Eddie Eddie Abu. Uh, I think I've, I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Um, and he, he 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 does these Instagram videos where he goes into Tesco's and other supermarkets. He's actually banned from, I think, a few Tesco's now because okay. he basically goes and he, he basically he's holding these uh, food items and goes, this this food is fucking shit and you know and they go <laughs> and and he's you know and he's, he's talking about how terrible these things are and but fundamentally he what he's talking about is is how ultra processed these foods are that yeah i think tim Spector talks about it anything that contains more than four ingredients mm -hmm. uh, is considered to be an ultra processed food now i you know had um Yes, I had some tuna with some mayonnaise, I, I, tuna mayonnaise with a bit of sriracha sauce in it. You know, the, the mayonnaise, I think, has six ingredients. The sriracha has about the same, maybe one or two more. Um, yeah. I think you can, and the ingredients that they're in there, you can kind of allow it. You know, there's not too much preservatives yeah. and stabilizers. But, um, but something like crisps, obviously, they've got way more yeah. ingredients. Um, having just come back from holiday in France, you you know you get food, you get bread from the bakery the next day. If you don't eat the bread that day or the next, or maybe within 24 hours, yeah. the bread's hard and stale. That's because they're only using, they are really only using three, four, maybe five ingredients. Absolutely. Whereas you get the the Hovis that we brought over from home with us a week later, still isn't is still edible, still soft, all the rest of it. Um, <laughs> probably not even moldy and it's just because it's got so many more ingredients and so much more processed yes so for me i'm i'm trying to you know I, i'm i'm trying to cut out the, the the ultra processed food from my life 
presumably that's something that you're advocating for for your clients and you have been for some time can you talk through why that's important for for yeah, people absolutely. um when i studied um to be a health coach processed food is is so damaging to the body and those chemicals and additives are just not anything that we need at all and it in several cases they actually remove the good food and the the nutrients to make it um, like you say bread is a really good example to make it last longer um with healthy living for me I'm putting in as much healthful food as possible so I am if I have a day where I perhaps don't eat so well the next day absolutely i'm on 10 portions of veg fruit that kind of thing um so i really do work with clients and one thing i don't know if i touched on this last time um is that i'm helping people crowd out and that's one of the strategies so instead of feeling um like you're feeling d deprived you're just crowding out the unhealthy food so instead of the crisp you'd have um some beautiful fruit or um, a gorgeous salad and you don't feel deprived you feel like you've benefited from having something healthy and you understand the nutrients are going to be doing some form of good to your body and it just feels better so don't i, I always work with clients not to feel deprived to feel actually enlightened and um inspired by food and the healthier foods yeah i mean particularly the example you gave of uh, of having a bag of crisps at lunch you know that that's something that I would routinely have, particularly when I'm, you say, like I am today, working from home. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll have I'll have my sandwich, or or, or or I'll have a you know a breadless sandwich. Mm -hmm. Then I'll have a, a bag of crisps. Then I'll have a couple of squares of dark chocolate, and then I'll have you know a, a double espresso. But I think sometimes I have the double espresso to go with the chocolate, or vice versa. Do you know what I mean? And so I've got that ingrained habit in my mind. Now today I just had. You know, I had a I had a, a, a great lunch. I had a, a four egg omelet. Had some um, kimchi. I had some avocado, and and I had a couple of rashes of bacon, which are kind of processed, but it's still it's it's still a whole food basically. It's you know, it, um, and so from that perspective, I feel like that that was that's a good lunch. However, I don't I, I didn't um, you know I, I didn't I, I've I've I left I've got to the end of lunch and I'm a bit like something's missing you know uh, and yeah, how, okay. it's, how do I you know and I guess that's something that I, I imagine a lot of viewers and a lot of listeners were, were experiencing so it's like how how do you account for that so what you're saying is that um perhaps in addition to what I'd had to replace say the crisps with mm -hmm. a side salad or I don't know maybe, maybe even some carrot sticks or something yeah. something along those lines which would um, you know, you, you've still got something to help you finish the meal, mm -hmm. but it's uh, but it's something that gives is going to give you some macronutrients. It's going to help your gut health. It's and it's not going to be, you know, some ultra processed garbage that that's going to be full of oils and you know, un not necessarily healthy oils either. Possibly yeah. sugars, additives yeah. that that your body doesn't want or need. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I would have made sure, well, for me, that omelette would have been jam packed of spinach and mushrooms and um, a couple of other veg that I could sneak in there because that's going to give you the extra fiber that's going to fill you up alongside the protein. Um, and so I would just be thinking, OK, what good stuff can I fit into this meal um, so that you don't feel deprived and you do feel full? Um, so, you, you know, like you say, some some 
uh, maybe some you've had some avocado but some crudite or um some fruit afterwards just to just to take the edge off if there is that sort of um feeling um i'm just trying to think i do a little recipe which is um uh chickpeas with all different spices on they're quite a good snack because that will give you the salty sort of um crunchy thing it's like finding alternatives which is always really helpful so what so what would you put do the chickpeas as something like an air fryer or something like that to kind of give yeah, them to like get that. okay yeah, with um i would normally put some spices um, um maybe some garlic uh a bit of oil and stuff and just put them in the oven or on the air fryer for a sort of five or ten minutes and that is a sort of crunchy snack because sometimes when we do have that salty um desire we just need something to satiate it and then you're golden you're literally like oh that's good i'm fine um i would also if i was having a salad at lunch i'm always putting seeds on top of those because that gives you a salty um crunchy um little texture or hemp or um or just just seeds of some um of some type um you mentioned earlier something um that you wanted to spice up all the sriracha um it's a nice sauce actually but if if i made some um, rainbow fritters recently for the family and you know paprika can um cayenne pepper all of that will give you the same spice but without the several sort of ingredients yeah i mean i i'd actually taken to putting sriracha with my tuna mayo because it was a it was about a third of the calories of the of the mayo and yes. so what I'd, what I'd normally because it obviously it's not quite wet enough is it if you just have one tin of tuna with one tablespoon of, of mayo so I was like so for me it was like a bit like a hack um uh-huh. but but of course I was doing that because I was thinking about calories I mean there's there's a, now starting to be a lot of um a lot of suggestions that actually um, looking at calories or looking at the calorific value, and actually uh, Tim Spector's book says this, because a lot of the calorific values of foods are determined by the manufacturers of those foods themselves, yeah. i.e., you, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're putting the, the fox in charge of the hen house in, in many ways. Yeah. Um, are you a subscriber to to the law, you know, the, the sort of, I suppose it's the laws of thermodynamics, but actually, do you actually, do you, for the clients that you're looking to help lose weight, are they are you looking at calories as a as a metric or actually are you much more focused on on sort of macronutrients and and the yeah. quality of what they're eating absolutely we don't really go down the calorie road because i think that's that's not really a positive um a positive place to be plus if um, clients have disordered eating issues that kind of thing um calories are, are triggering um i very much um taking the whole body so looking at the movement uh the sleep because often women in in later life if we're not sleeping properly that's really bad for our weight um and certainly weight loss um movement again really important portion control is an area that i concentrate on like some clients will text me pictures of their lunches and things and most of the time we're eating way way too much um there's an example I use of a recipe that um, was in a old cookbook from the sort of 1930s, and it used to feed about, I think it made like 16 brownies, and now it's a portion of eight brownies, and it's just everything is just massively bigger, and portions are extraordinarily large for what we really need. So back to basics, really. It doesn't have to be super complicated. Yeah, um, I think that's. I think that makes a lot of sense, and the the thing about portion sizes uh, is quite quite a good one. Um, 
one of my one of my best friends from university also called mike uh, or michael um he he had a reunion of him his uh, him and, and um, his parents and his uncle and cousins and um you know they they are traditionally big eaters and also very heavy drinkers as well and uh, i messaged him just after new year asked him asked him how the the, the reunion was wished him happy new year or the rest of it and uh, i said you know and then i said was it messy uh you know because traditionally it would have been kind of the quote unquote yeah. you know sort of messy drinking he said no it wasn't wasn't very messy we just over ate and um and then uh, i spent he spent most of the night not being able to sleep due to indigestion yeah. Yeah. Uh, which, which then which then prompted uh, the most boring middle-aged dad chat where i recommended uh i recommended a a, a new um uh, stomach acid uh, <laughs> really called nexium he said oh yeah my friend just recommended that to me oh, uh, <laughs> it's actually really tragic but it's so quite many, but it just my clients have that really difficulty yeah. sleeping they've either had too much sugar they've eaten too late their portions portions are too large and and you know can't sleep or waking in the night all that sort of thing it's really it just doesn't have to happen at all well let's talk about that because actually something that i suffer with quite a lot is that you know, probably, I would say probably two in every fourteen nights, I would I will suffer from quite disturbed sleep. Yeah. Um, and it's you know, and I'm pretty conscious it's due to my you know somewhere somewhere in my digestive system things aren't going right. Yeah. Um. So what what can people do to you know if if people are suffering with that kind of sleep related disorder? I say disorder, yeah. but problem. Yeah. Um, what what can people be doing to um, to to deal with that? Because presumably, if you're not if you don't well, I mean it's it's pretty well known fact. If you're not sleeping well, you're going to then not make the best health choices in yeah. terms of 100%. food, diet, and and and, yeah. and whatever the next day. Absolutely, absolutely. There's a direct link with um, lack of sleep. It actually releases a, a chemical in our body that makes us hungry um, and makes us reach for the high fat and high sugar because we need the energy so it's just it's not even people say to me oh i'm just so starving for this i'm like it's not actually your fault you just have followed the wrong basis you've had a difficult night's sleep and now your body's just reaching for things um so people take it as you know they're a bad person or they're doing something wrong but it's it's um it's more our bodies are just sending out chemicals um so with sleep, if it's a, a food-related issue rather than a stress-related issue um, or an alcohol-related issue or a caffeine-related issue, so many things that will keep you up, um, definitely earlier food, so no later than sort of 6.30, um, <clears throat> doing a little bit of movement, light stretching before bed, often can get the gut sort of more relaxed. Um, the normal things, uh, perhaps shower, bath, that kind of thing to get to bed in a more relaxed way, make sure the lighting, just the normal sleep hygiene. Um, but definitely for the gut issues, I would say eating earlier, having light meals, not heavy on the carbohydrates, um, which for me is with every meal. It's it's 50 percent uh, vegetables, 25 percent uh, carbohydrates and 25 percent proteins and just keeping those carbs light keeping the carbs light okay so i mean where where do you stand on something like pasta are you uh are, are you a, are you an advocate for pasta i mean i i think it's probably something i'll probably be avoiding you know based on what i'm trying to achieve with my yeah. own personal health goals um but where do you you know do you have a is there a kind of is there a sarah stannard approved good good carb bad carb 
uh chart that that we can <laughs> that we can talk about yeah i don't love all that heavy carb stuff i must admit um i'm not a pasta lover i'm not a risotto lover um i, I have rice if i have sushi but I don't have a lot of that carbohydrate stuff. And if I do, well, I just don't. But for example, my little one, Henry, um, if I'm making him a pasta meal, he has a very small amount of pasta. Then it's massively pa packed in with vegetables. So he have spinach, peas, he likes mushrooms, all of this sort of thing. And then the protein. So the pasta is like an add-on rather than the focus, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's dropped in to the pasta meal as a little bit of a uh, a token thing right and it's always whole meal um whole wheat pasta never white nasty yucky stuff <laughs> all that all that stuff yeah yeah i mean that's that that makes a that makes a lot of sense and that, that's one of the things that um one of the things that i i've struggled with my own kids is that and in the difficulty is that you know how 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 harshly can you do you kind of um how harshly do you enforce this because they're, they're kids at the end of the day and you you want them to eat that they need to eat they need to have energy but particularly as i started to become more knowledgeable and more uh, and have a better understanding about uh about diet about um insulin responses the impacts of the uh, impact you know the gut brain access yeah. um you know i look at some of the stuff that ki the, that my kids are eating and um you, you know and you know, and Andrea, my wife, she's, you know, she's, you know, very scientifically literate, literate and uh, like myself and, and she understands the theory of it. But at the same time, you start, we, I guess there's a struggle, isn't there to, um, to reconcile, um, to reconcile what's good for your kids and actually what they're going to eat and, and try to find, you know, how do you find that happy medium between the two? Obviously, as a someone who's been m probably much more disciplined with, you, you know your healthy eating habits um because of the health benefits you've seen over the past decade or so um you probably brought henry up uh with very good food habits from the start but you know as someone who is you know who, who is known to, to frequent a, a greg's every now and again uh it's a little you know it, it's a little bit more difficult for me to uh to, to do that and you're absolutely right. And children want to eat certain things that their friends are eating. Um, we actually did a little experiment one day. Henry wanted to have a Kentucky Fried Chicken, which we never, ever, ever eat. And so I did an experiment in the at lunchtime. I think we had a chicken wrap with cut up loads of cut up veg, like tiny, tiny, slight, tiny uh, veg in there. And then I forget, I think I had hummus in it. Um, and I said, right, you have this and see how you feel. And he had that. It was like, this is lovely, mummy. And then we actually in the evening went and bought a tiny little kids meal, whatever it is from Kentucky Fried Chicken, because I wanted him to, to see it and feel it and not be, you know, told he can't have it. And afterwards he was like, oh, my, my tummy feels full. It's like bubbling. I don't feel great, you know. And I was like, well, which one, honestly, did you feel better? And he was like, mummy, the one earlier in the day, I loved it. I felt good. I didn't feel full. My tummy didn't, you know, bubble up and gurgle. So I'm very much a great believer in, you know, not forcing Henry or my or my stepdaughter to eat anything, but kind of nudging them towards it in a healthy way, like try it, which is a bit like, you know, testing out what works for you. You can't make a habit from day one, like totally lifestyle change. But if you try things and actually it feels better, then it just it's just, it's just a happy place to be, I think. Yeah, I, look, I think that's uh, I think that's a good uh I think that's that's definitely a, a a good suggestion. I think the I think one of the, the difficulties is you, you know we particularly as a parent you know if you if the if the kids are used to having you know 
white pasta on a Wednesday with tomato sauce and cheese and yeah, uh, yeah, and and really with not a huge protein source alongside that, or and and not a huge veg source alongside that, um, and they're having their their, their pizza on a Friday night, you know, and and yeah. whatever else they're being fed at school. Uh, too, you know that but I know the kids at school, the kids at, at our kids' school uh, have a meat-free Monday. Um, yeah. My my concern is that you have, you, you know, we can debate the merits of meat-free Monday as to whether the that'll have the environmental impact that that people hope it will, or whether it'll have the health impact that people hope it will. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that the one thing you know, if they're doing a meat-free Monday, what are the kids substituting the meat or the you know that protein source with? If mm-hmm. If they're substituting that protein source with more carbs and more yeah. processed food, yeah. then I, I I really don't want I really don't think that's the right thing to do. I really wouldn't I really wouldn't advocate for that. Um, so yeah, so I, I think feeding kids is obviously a very obviously a very challenging thing, um, but at the same time, I personally think it's really important to start educating children, especially as they get older, mm-hmm. around around making sure that their gut health and their metabolic health is is in good order because what i don't want them to have is that you know i i personally have got a quite bad sugar addiction mm-hmm. um which which i'm hoping this month i'll be able to sort of wean myself off of um and i don't want them to have those i suppose develop the addictions and the bad habits that i've built over time yeah. um so that they you know so that when they get to my age that they aren't they aren't having I mean, it's not like i have loads of health issues or anything like that but you know for for starters you know i've had what three four crowns so my my dental health isn't good if nothing else yeah if nothing else has gone bad but that's a pre i think that's a precursor to much worse health down the line if if i don't start to make changes now yeah. then i'm going to have problems but i don't I, I don't want that for my kids especially kids that are have got athletic potential let's say yes um, you know that's that that would be the wrong thing for me to do i think it's a world of damage that we're doing to our children if i'm honest um like you on social media having different things focused on you i get a lot of um content about sugar and about health and you know we go to a children's party and there's a bag full of sugar at the end of it you know um we celebrate a birthday party and it's a massive sugared cake um i went to look at a, a school recently uh and as welcome for all the families it was donuts donuts and coffee and I was like gosh you surely these days we can get a little bit more towards a healthy flapjack or something yeah these are full-on like Dunkin Donuts practically that for the parents to eat and I was like how do we not know but how do they we know this stuff don't we that, that actually that massive sugar is just not healthy um but yeah it's just all around us and it's impossible to avoid um and you you know you can only do so much with your children um and you can't ban them from eating certain things and make their life devoid of joy because you know these things add joy to your life unfortunately um but i just do my absolute best as far as just pushing in the good stuff when i can um, which is why the bowl of pasta has wilted spinach and mushrooms and actually i made a meal for henry recently and he was like mum mum where's the mushrooms it doesn't taste so good without the mushrooms <laughs> i'm like yes like my work he's a, he's, he's a man of some own heart as a of um, self 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 self-confessed uh, mushroom lover yeah he, yeah. that's uh, that, that's 
it, they can be quite marmite, but I, I, for for some people. But I, I've got to say, I'm 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 a big fan, and uh, so good on good on Henry. I mean, of of our kids, uh, Benji's definitely uh, got the mushroom bug. Uh, I think the other two might take a little bit longer to get there. Got to be said about mushrooms for the future, isn't there? Have you seen all the new studies around? Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, particularly okay. uh, stuff done uh, by Michael Pollan as well, and uh, you, not not necessarily just the magic ones. Uh, you know, your <laughs> your run of the mill mushrooms, I think, have, uh, have, have are getting a good a good rap. But yeah. just a point around sugar. So we, having just come back from France um, for from a from a skiing trip, you know, it's it's a common observation that I have when I'm in France, which is. French people, you know, French people are not very fat. Um, you know, we we counted on two fingers the number of the number of fat actual French French people uh, yes. who we felt were you know kind of uh, you know noticeably overweight, shall we say? Yes. Um, and you know, it sort of led me to question why uh, why that might be. And I I think there is there's there's just generally a um, you know, I think that, and it's. I guess it all boils down to their diet. But one of the key things is that I, you know, and I'm curious to get your take on it. I don't think that they have as much sugar, but also, um, on the way home, we were listening to the uh, some French radio for a, about about an hour and a half or two hours, mm-hmm. and I was listening to the the adverts, and you know, and I understand a reasonable amount of French, and you could they were advertising. Um, frangipan tarts uh, mm-hmm. from the from I don't know Carrefour or one of the supermarkets, yeah. and then at the end of the advert, the there was like a government kind of you know how you have a you know but what we would have like a if you had a, like a drink aware mm-hmm. for an alcohol advert, they yeah. had that for sugar, which yeah. I thought was really interesting. That they they're basically oh. saying that you have to please make sure you limit your uh, sugar and uh, and saturate you know not fat, you know bad fat intake basically. It, um, at the end of the advert, and I thought that's. I, I wonder if that's something that we would benefit from in this country. Um, yeah, and I think education certainly uh, could benefit us. I, I hate to get into the political side, but I don't think the governments of the UK particularly help us with knowing about nutrition and about health. I know the um, the government recommended plate. Uh, which sort of advises you what you should and shouldn't eat is just a bit of out, it's outdated. It Very outdated, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that to me, food is such an important part of our health um, that that should be like a constant focus and there should be money spent on, like you say, advertising to say, this is too much sugar, be aware, that's too much, make sure you're exercising, um, you know, all those things. It's so important. Well, I guess you know we've been to, we've mentioned ultra processed foods a quite a few times. Um, you know, Josh, my my middle son, he 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 likes to eat Cheerios in the morning. And once upon a time, I would have thought something like Cheerios or you know or even the the boring old original cornflakes was a healthy breakfast. Um, of course, the reality is that these are ultra processed foods and have got huge amounts of hidden sugars in them. Yeah. Um, and fundamentally aren't aren't good for you and you know which is not to pick on them but you know i think a lot of government guidelines around health would would have you believe that there's these are still healthy foods and mm, do you also have do you also have issues with the labeling of some foods as, as healthy when they like if they say it's low fat but when it has if it's low fat then it generally means high sugar or high protein which also means high sugar yeah. Uh, or or some other or some other you know it's like protein bars for example it's like well yeah. 
uh, when you if a client says oh, i'm just going to have a protein bar, bar as a snack or as a lunch um does that you know do you sort of have to put your head in your hands and go no please don't do that to be honest i I'm very much a believer of whatever is the better option, just go for that. So if a client's saying to me, oh, I'm going to have a packet of crisps and a sandwich, I would sort of rather have some protein, even though on a, on a low sugar one, um, than, you know, the crisps and things like that, because that to me is just, there's no benefit of that. There's no actual nutrients. Um, but I think, uh, I think you're right. The cereals are just, we don't have anything like that in our house, no cereals at all um john has a bit of granola um and we have porridge that is it we just don't do anything like that and we haven't henry's not had cereal for i don't know forever um and it's it's difficult because people just believe very easily if it says this is good for you then they go okay this is good for me and that's not fair i think um because people have got busy lives and other stuff to do rather than staring at the package contents they just want an easy life and something to feed their children which is healthy and it's just not. And it's a big job to look through all of these details. And uh, I had a client recently that was, t- what was he eating? Some sort of yogurt every day. Uh, and it was so full of sugar. And, and when we sat and talked about it, he was like, well, it's got 15 spoonfuls of sugar in a some ridiculous amount. But it, it proclaimed that it was healthy. So it's a job in itself, working out what's healthy and what's not. Could, could, you, could you give our listeners a, just an explanation as to why sugar and why these ultra processed foods are so bad for us you know because it's one thing me sort of you know sort of going uh uh going evangelical on it but you know at the end of the day i'm not the professional you're the professional can you just explain to people why uh sugar and just ultra processed foods in general are why they're so bad for us yeah i think we touched on it slightly earlier but the um ultra processed they're removing a lot of the times the good healthy nutritious aspect just to make it long lasting um they're certainly taking they're stripping it back um stripping back the fiber stripping back all different types of nutrients um and adding things that we don't need lots of chemicals um salts uh heavy metals all kind of things that your body just doesn't need in order to make it cheaply um make it um you know easy to uh deliver to the client on a massive scale um and it's just it's just not it's just a negative for our body on every scale so there's too much bad stuff and not enough good stuff is a simple way um and it you know it's it's that the the um, thing you mentioned earlier that if it's more than four ingredients, it really is um, ultra. Um, so the way I work with clients is if it's in its truest form, then that is actually food. If it comes in a package with a label um, written with several things on it, that's processed. So, and I'm the sort of person that I try and be as healthy as possible. I am not perfect by any way, shape, or form, but I will do as best as I can every day. Um, to avoid the processed uh, food in the high sugars and high fats, uh, just because I know it's not going to do my body any good at all. Um, so yeah, that's the simple way. I'm, there's much more complicated. And what, and what about uh, and what about sugar? Well, like, what's the you know? Uh, no, knowing a little bit about it myself, you know, yep. I've, 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 you know, and the damage it does to metabolic health. But what 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 are, you know? What could you? How would you describe why why having why sugar is such a bad thing in, in our foods? Well. And addictive is the first thing. Um, once you have sugar, you want more. Um, why? With my clients, I work on um, a similar thing to uh, the Zoe program, actually, but it's um, a blood sugar balancing formula, a way of eating. And 
sugar can cause inflammation in the body and if we have inflammation in the body that's going to cause disease um 70 of the world's diseases now and deaths are non-communicable so those are the heart disease uh, the diabetes the cancers etc inflammation in your body causes those and sugar is related to causing inflammation in the body so it just it's very simple it leads to ill health um so it's best to keep it at a minimum to reduce it as much as possible The formula that I have, um, and anyone who wants a copy of the blood sugar balancing formula that I have, I, I just sent it out to about, uh, well, a whole group of my mailing list recently. It's a really simple document. It's a way of eating that's going to reduce the inflammation. It balances your mood. It keeps your weight steady, um, helps you function properly. And the reason behind that is if you have far too much blood, uh, sugar in your blood, then uh, the inflammation is going to be caused, obviously, um, and you cannot burn that amount of sugar, so it's going to turn to fat. And if you don't have enough sugar, so you go the opposite way, this is when you feel lethargic, tired, and your body sends out the chemicals to find energy and find sugar. Um, so you need to keep it on a balanced level, and, and that is whole foods, fruit and veg, um, high-level proteins that are healthy, um, And yeah, so with my clients, we've, we focus on blood sugar balancing. So it's, it's exactly the same as um, the Zoe product, but we don't actually measure it. Um, people measure their moods and the way they feel. I've actually seen, I've actually seen this week um, some, some backlash against the, against the Zoe app or, or, or other forms of continuous glucose monitoring uh, from, particularly from uh, sufferers of type 1 diabetes. Do you, do you share their, do you share their frustrations? The, uh, the, there's a, and, and I say this, my, my mother has just, uh, has been a subscriber to Zoe for about the last six weeks. Yeah. Um, do, do you share their, um, do you share, share their frustration or do you think that they, they maybe they need to, they need to calm down a little bit? Are they frustrated because there's no more um, blood sugar monitoring? Monastery gaps available yeah. in the country. <laughs> They've all gone out of stock, I think, everywhere. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're frustrated about, or they're frustrated that people are focusing on the. Yeah, I think I think their view. I think their view is like you don't need this. Why are you doing it? You know that yeah. that, that kind of thing. Um, okay. But do, uh, do you? But do you see it as a good thing that people are now that people are, are taking this thing seriously? Or I mean, or, or or is it at the end of the day, people do it? Will do it? Will, is it? Will it be a bit like? you know the january diet fad where people will do it for a couple of weeks they'll, they'll they'll make a couple of changes and then they'll go back to their 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 habitual uh lifestyles you know pretty short shortly afterwards i think it definitely is a bit of a fad but anything that helps us understand how our bodies work and how they work better with different actions i think it's a good thing you know there's quite a lot of data prov provided and information so i haven't seen it myself i've had some friends that have done it um but i think you know forearmed is forewarned if you have this information you're going to be much more well informed not just standing in the checkout looking at cheerios and going oh this will work you know you know what i mean mm. you've got got information that's that's going to be helpful um as far as i think um Clients of mine that have used the blood sugar balancing, weight has drop off, dropped off, um, pains and uh, stiffness and, uh, you know, creaky joints, arthritis, all been reduced and Im improved, which is what you want. You want to find something that actually works with your body. I'm one of these people that if something doesn't, I, I, I'm not perfect health, but if I have something that feels uncorrect or incorrect in my body, I'm like, oh, well, 
what food can I have that's going to help this? Like I was driving yesterday thinking, oh, my eyesight is definitely getting worse as I get older. I'm 51 now. And I was like, oh, I think blueberries are quite good for my eyes. And I remember these are quite good for my eyes. So I'm literally like, right, that's my focus to have that thing that's going to improve that part of my body. Yeah. Because uh, that's kind of the way I think. I'm like, you can you can improve your health by what you eat. So why wouldn't you choose the right, choose an option that improves your body? Yeah, I, I guess, yeah, you're you're obviously in a position where you're you're more you are more um more informed than the average bear shall we say so uh so as a consequence of that it, it's more difficult for for for, for all the ordinary public shall we say to um to make those good choices or good decisions but sure. i guess you're right which is that if if there are if there's more services that are available to people that can give them that guidance then um then that may be that may be a positive thing yeah. um and so uh, you know the before zoe i know that there was um so I think science in sport um, had uh, released a continu continuous glucose monitor for yeah. endurance athletes. Mm -hmm. And for me, you know, again, I think it's if you if you're a high end endurance athlete and you're looking to kind of you know shave five minutes okay. off your Ironman yeah. time or whatever, or half an hour off your Ironman time, and and then that can help you time your feeding and stuff like that. Then, you know, that's fair. You know, that's fair enough as well. Um, yeah. But. I wanted to actually want to talk. You, you talked about the impact of uh, the impact of, of of cutting out sugar and the benefits of it, and and how you know people feel a lot better. I guess a lot of sort of autoimmune type mm -hmm. conditions that will will have been alleviated from that. Presumably, certain forms of arthritis and um, you know gut issues. Um, so you know, um, hold on. <laughs> I've just lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, well, uh, um, sorry, there we go. I, I, I'm back in the room. There you go. Five, four, three, two, one. I'm back in the room. Uh, so, and and one of the things that uh, one one of the types of diets that that people have advocated for, um, I know that um, deliciously Ella, um, I forget her real na her real name, uh, but she's uh, obviously she's she has talked about how her autoimmune disease has been uh, cured by by going uh, by through veganism yes. um that's not necessarily a, a lifestyle that i you know with what with what i know it's not necessarily a lifestyle i would uh, advocate for uh, and, and agree with going the completely opposite direction uh yeah. you've got um you know you you've got a number of doctors who are going completely carnival yes. uh, uh and who are, who are advocating for that as effectively as being very uh, very effective in in dealing with a lot of autoimmune conditions in in that respect yes. um you know and obviously my, probably most one of the more famous is someone like paul uh, uh, paul saladino um mm -hmm. where where do you where do you stand on on those do you it, it, presumably you're you know you're i would have thought you'd be somewhere in the middle you just kind of just be balanced but you know do you what do you think about those kind of yeah cutting out cutting out diets so I was plant-based for about six or seven years. Yeah. Literally, um, and I had the odd bit of salmon, uh, but I literally just lived on veg um, and really enjoyed the benefits of that, really improved my own health. And then probably about a year ago, I kind of started adding a bit more meat into my diet. Um, and I'm now the pendulum is swinging back the other way. Um, having just seen so much evidence about 
oh, how animals are treated and the antibiotics they're given and the, you know, the big breeding rooms they have for them and things. I'm just like, oh, this is gross. Um, so I do swing a little bit on that topic because I do sometimes find it difficult to get the protein um, on a on a purely plant-based diet. But I definitely see the benefits of it. And it's it's one of those things I can see both sides of it. Um, so, yeah, I'm in the middle of swinging sort of both ways. But probably I would say my diet is 75 percent plant based, really. I think one of the challenges, I guess one of the challenges of plant based eating is that is sometimes the bioavailability of, of proteins and amino acids, which means that it's pr probably you probably struggle to completely cut out meat from your meat from your diet. You know, for those people who are completely plant, who are plant based, you know, I know a few vegans, you know, and they're, you know, they're, they're vegans for sort of um, ethical reasons. But but the the challenge is, I think their their own. Um, I mean, again, you, we can talk about the impact that that um, I suppose that farming for vegan uh, for, for farm farming for vegan foods has in terms of um, insects and biodiversity, but you know that's a different conversation but yeah. one of the things that they they say is you know they've said is oh, i'm a you know i'm a junk food vegan basically they're sort of like and and so they they're vegan but they're the food that they're eating is you know it's again it's ultra ultra processed and and um you know and and i guess taking that to its extreme is people is this sort of in, in you know is impossible burgers and you know beyond meat type uh yeah. situations which is just i mean it's just poison you know poison wrapped up in a uh in in a in a burger patty isn't it yeah that's the difficulty that's where i found it difficult actually because my diet was heading towards eating more of the process and i was like that's not what i want but you can find the proteins um you know in other ways tofu chickpeas you know lentils all that sort of thing but it's it's not as easy as it is just buying you know a piece of chicken or a steak or whatever it's definitely not you do have to think about it more um but having i, I don't know if you've seen the new netflix documentary have you that's out what uh, we are not yet. oh yeah it's a really interesting study because it's twins so they they have about eight my five twins um and they do this eight week thing where they're doing eight weeks of um plant-based and eight weeks of carnivore and the study shows uh you know how they both are after eight weeks and i have yet to watch the end of it but i <laughs> i have a feeling i know how it ends um and just talking about the 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 way that meat is processed and and grown and all that sort of thing, which is quite off putting. Um, but there's a lot there's a, there's arguments on both sides, isn't there? Like you say, there's um, a doctor that I follow, and he's very much like eat your eggs, eat your meat, eat this, eat that. Um, and I do subscribe to some of that, um, but at the same time, I think where I've landed actually, and it's only really over the Christmas period that I've been sort of on this pendulum, is that it's 70, about 75% plant-based and my focus is on plants and you know veg and fruit um, and then supplemented by um, some meat. And that's the way for me, plant-based is a bit like water-based uh, paint. It's not water, it's based around water. So my yeah. diet is based around plants, um, not entirely plant-based. Yeah, well, I, I think that's ultimately a, a pretty good, it's a pretty good gauge. And I think that 
Um, some people might go a little bit more, you know, they, they might move the, the pendulum a little bit more towards the meat side and some people might go a little bit more towards the plant side. I guess what you'd advocate for is more generally just as long as it's you're eating real foods, not processed foods. Yes. Where where you are on that pendulum, provided you're not you know you're you're not missing out on certain key macro macronutrients or micronutrients, mm -hmm. it it doesn't really matter too much where you sit on that on, on that on that scale. It's a personal thing, but I think like you say, avoiding the high fat, high sugar, high salt processed mm. foods. We don't eat too much of it at home. Actually, I cook quite a lot. Um, I'll also just bulk cook like lasagnas or um, my rainbow fritters I did recently. Um, I try and make as many as possible so I can freeze some of them, but they generally get eaten quite quickly. Yeah, I mean, that, and but I wanted to just touch on your uh, just uh, touch on something there because you talked about um, animal welfare and um, you know and and how um, uh, you know how animals are, are raised together. Mm -hmm. So my so. I'm, uh, my brother, who's is a fair bit older than me, he's a farmer in northeast Scotland. Mm -hmm. uh, he farms a number of things, but him and my my um, nephew, um, they uh, they're both called John. Um, like they're, they're, there's about eight generations of of, of Johns. Um, he um, he he and my nephew, they are raising a, a specific type of cattle called a stabilizer. Okay. And the thing about uh, the, the thing that's quite interesting about stabilizer is that the stabilizer breed um, it gets to full maturity yeah. uh, about uh, it, within about fourteen or fifteen months. Mm -hmm. um, so for for meat cattle uh, or beef cattle, um, that's a lot faster than it would take to rear other forms of cattle, which means that um, you can. It's a, it, effectively it's a much more sustainable breed mm -hmm. for the future, and you can generate a lot more. Uh, a, a lot more you know kilograms per you know of of, of animal per yeah. you know per hectare mm -hmm. um than you know than for other breeds meaning that you aren't as reliant on on grain feeding or grain finishing because mm -hmm. you can just you, they can be purely grass uh grass-fed okay. animals yeah. um and it's quite interesting that i think that with more investment into these types of uh, these types of breeds for mm -hmm. the the you know the various meat industries, we can probably see a a more sustainable meat industry mm -hmm. emerging as a consequence of that. Um, I'd like to so, think that, but I don't know. I mean, yeah, you, you, you'd be right to be sceptical, Sarah. You, you'd be right to be sceptical. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, but I think it's quite interesting that it, that you know there there are there will be other sides to uh, to, to that from uh, from an agricultural point of view uh there's certainly ways ways around it um i mean just in terms of in terms of sort of staying staying on the wagon it, it it's often triggers isn't there that that kind of make us fall off the fall off a, a health wagon mm -hmm. um despite you know we were you know just despite being in france and actually eating quite well eating yeah. reasonably healthily okay we're having having some red wine with dinner but yeah. you know we're, we're not we weren't really eating a lot of ultra processed foods while we we're away we then did a 12-hour journey back home um yeah. and french service station food <laughs> service uh, service station food options are oh, not are not really are, are not really comparable with what french food is on offer so it's nasty proverbative laden white bread mm -hmm. Sandwich fillings, which aren't very good, crisps, chocolate, sodas, you know, all all that kind of garbage, you know. And then we get home and we have the we have the Burger King because that's what the kids want after a long drive. And and who are we to argue with them? Yeah. Um, 
that that to me is that to me is is feels like a real trigger for mm-hmm. if you if you've been having good eating habits you then get to the end of january let's say and you you then have you know you have that you, you have that 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 food binge you have that drinking binge yeah that surely that can be the spark or the trigger for the da- yep. you know sort of the down, downward slope or downward spiral in in healthy healthy living behaviors yep. um and get you back into your bad old habits how does one how, how how do you how do you advise your clients when they've had that kind of slip yeah that happens a lot actually um clients will just say oh i just i didn't have time i didn't have time to plan i was on this long journey it was generally a service station um you know those sorts of things that are really difficult to manage um with clients i'm trying to help them in the first instance with pre-planning so if that would have been our family or I'm trying to advise a client, we would try and do something before we got into that car journey and 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 find a way of some snacks along the way that are going to be healthier. Um, but once you've once you have made those choices that are in, invariable or invariably difficult, then just not to give yourself a hard time and realize that actually there's just a small um, like, you know, um, area that you've gone off piste um, but now you can get on, back on track very easily and not to give yourself a hard time I mean it's one of those things if the children have some you know takeaway food just because you're tired you're just wanting to get home whatever it is um, but not to give yourself a hard time and just get back on track the following day um, and realize that actually you know probably none of that felt good and was was great for your gut health as well you probably didn't yeah. feel happy yeah, and- do, you, do you know what's funny is I had um I, I actually was so, so that was saturday yesterday was um i i, I sort of i get I, i've got back into sort of my intermittent fasting so i'm now sort of not eating till two o'clock or whatever one thirty two o'clock yeah on any given day um so yesterday you know far, i actually did sport in the morning fasted mm-hmm. i i don't think my sport was particularly good i played tennis for a few hours in a in a competitive match but i was definitely not the top of my game conditions didn't help but i i also think that what i ate on saturday didn't help um but then i ate pretty well yesterday in terms of you know what i can uh, very little by way of processed foods yeah. uh, not none but a little bit mm-hmm. this morning and it's quite a consistent thing i have on a, on a monday morning um i felt and, and no alcohol either um mm-hmm. This morning, I felt really kind of foggy and grotty. Is that the is that the delayed effect of the yeah. of, of so it's not immediate? It's because I didn't feel that bad on Saturday as it happens. Yeah, well, there's there's um, like personal trainers or um, nutritionists will tell you it takes a couple of days for the food to get through the gut, and um, you know, so it's it's making its way through your intestines and and not it's not good nutritious food. So you're not getting any nutrients from anything. Um, and so no, you probably 24 hours, 48 hours rather later will be the, f- the effects of that. Okay. Cause that's actually, what's interesting about that is that that is a quite a consistent theme I have on Mondays. Yeah. I often feel particularly Monday morning, I've still got that sort of fog and blah now. Um, yeah. so it, it, but that's a consistent theme. I think most Mondays that I experience so okay. is that a function of my me paying for the Saturday cheat day every every Monday morning, basically, or every would, Monday? Yeah, do a Saturday non-cheat day. 
yeah. and see how you feel. See how I feel, yeah. Okay, that's that'll be interesting. That's the thing. Honestly, it's so important to know that you don't have to just completely change your diet or everything on one day because it's too difficult. So just do a test. I say to clients all the time, just if you have a sandwich and crisps at lunch, don't do that tomorrow. Like today, have, you know, um, the omelette and things. And you you must feel better this afternoon having had that nice clean lunch where you're. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm feeling better. I'm still I'm still feeling a bit groggy, to be honest with you. But uh, but. My, that, you know, if you'd seen what I'd eaten, Sarah, I think you'd have yeah. cried. Genuinely, uh, it was it it was not it, it was. Um, what are you like with new, with them um, hydration and all those sorts of things? Are you quite on top of that? I, I mean, I've, I've I've today today good Saturday. I don't think I drank a lot. I I don't think I drank enough water either. Actually, oh, that's another yeah. thing. Uh, yeah. Should be two and a half, three liters. <laughs> of, of, of Diet Coke, yeah, maybe, uh, oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is this is i would be a i would if i was your client sarah you yeah you'd you'd have me on the naughty step right now so uh <laughs> yeah, those sort of things are so so important that the body you know the water for our brain we need hydration so literally yeah. brain will not work properly without water so you have yeah. to get that if, if you've had a saturday without and then you've gone and done a load of sport you're dehydrated probably yeah that that's that's probably another thing that's that's going on there isn't it um i i guess i i guess the sort of uh, i guess the theme in terms of just uh, allowing yourself to uh, allowing yourself if you had a slip just to just to acknowledge it and then get back on the horse sounds yeah. to me like a really good bit of advice um i think back to i, I had a really good uh, streak going on calm of of consistent meditation uh, and i think i got up to like 210 days wow. and then i and then my my phone uh the app crashed on my phone i had to reinstall it okay. and i lost and i lost my streak and i didn't you i didn't meditate um for about six months after that okay. so having gone for the best part of over six months of yeah. continuous meditation it's like because mm-hmm. i'd lost that streak i yeah. was a bit like right right i i would I was, I was like screw it i'm not doing it anymore okay. um and so i think it's that allowing yourself to be like okay it it i think if you're obsessive about streaks mm-hmm. uh, and, yes. can, and keeping things going and expecting perfection and then the minute that you fail at something or you aren't you you don't maintain that progress yeah uh, it's it's about being kind enough in from my from my own personal experience and i'd be interested to see if this is exactly what this scene sounds like what you're advocating for um to say okay well it doesn't matter what's the streak doesn't matter what matters is 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 the is the behavior yeah 100%. um so, someone you and i both know um has since the beginning of december has actually been completely teetotal mm-hmm. and um you know, when he when he was starting it, we we were saying to him, we were kind of saying, I was kind of saying to him, look, don't don't obsess or don't focus on a target. Just focus on just doing it for as many days as you can or as many days as you want to, and 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 allow it and just allow it to uh, allow it to go through. You know, I guess from um, how do you approach how do you approach that? Well, you know, someone who's wanting to give up give up or cut down alcohol or, or or smoking for example how do you approach them when when they do have a relapse like what's their because i guess the the, dif- the difficulty for them will be when we're talking about food yeah. good food makes you feel good 
mm-hmm. bad food kind of makes you feel bad. But for someone whose neurochemistry is wired to seek nicotine, yes, you won't have that. So you won't have that positive reinforcing behaviour. Uh, you won't have that positive feedback loop going on uh, yep. in the way that you would do for for say food. Absolutely. So with smoking, people have come to me to help them give up smoking. I've helped a few people actually. It's interesting, and you're right. That reinforcement doesn't actually they don't suddenly feel better in their gut um, and their serotonin levels but they definitely will have some brain action going on in in a positive way they'll feel lighter in themselves their chest will feel better they'll be breathing like more easily they can move more easily so those things will definitely be coming into play um I had not a smoking thing, but recently talking about exercise um, because my work has been so busy in the last quarter of this year, like like quarter of last year, like crazy busy. And I exercise regularly and I found myself missing certain ones, having big gaps in time and losing my streak, for example, um, like your meditation one and thinking, oh, my God, I haven't exercised. I haven't exercised. I haven't done as much exercise. And. So getting back to that is also quite hard to find the motivation. But with the smoking and if you fall off the wagon, if you're not doing whatever it is you're trying to focus on doing, just again, really don't give yourself a hard time. Just start again, dust yourself off, as with everything in life, I believe. Um, You know, we all have to pick ourselves up from so many different situations and to be positive and to know that if, if you don't do it, then you have no streak. Whereas if you do it, you have one day, which is better yeah. than nothing. So it's it's just a small um, sort of focus back into taking action. And even though, uh, you know, it can be hard to start again, you'll, you'll feel so much better straight away from whatever it is, the smoking, the non-drinking, exercising, all of those things. And I guess one other thing that, that you know, and I guess we probably could start to think about wrapping up, but one other thing i suppose to think about as a something that can kind of take you you know take you off the wagon that can derail you is is yeah. we're in cold and flu season right so i guess it's very easy allow to allow you to tell yourself that white lie is well i've got a cold feed a cold starve a fever yeah when a client you know when a client's got a cold and they're not feeling very well how do you how do you approach there, how, how do you approach them in that circumstance? How, how do you stop them from making that bad, you know, those those bad decisions that, you know, that, they, that they're very tempted to do because they're feeling tired and their willpower's, um, you know, their willpower's under, uh, under pressure? Yeah, absolutely. If it's, for example, food related, um, which is most likely to be the case, um, I'm very much like people need to look after themselves because otherwise you will not recover from um, your cold and flu, uh, you know, easily. So we go into a self-care mode and we're focusing on like gratitude, journaling, positive self-talk, getting our sleep in, you know, doing whatever it is that they enjoy as far as relaxing is concerned, um, maybe reading or face packs or whatever it is that gives them back um, sort of, you know, care on themselves. So we very, I've, we very much take our foot off the gas um, if someone's not well. And I've had, uh, I had a client that had a um, appendicitis recently, and um, he had a burst appendix actually. Um, wow. And it's quite a crazy story because he, um, his doctor told him if he hadn't have been in such good health, then he would have died. So the fact we'd been working together for almost a year and he was in such good health that he he literally lived, um, which was amazing. But on his recovery, 
we took our foot off the exercise and the focus on, um, you know, building up muscle and, um, you know, he likes to do sporting events. So we, you just change your focus um, and give yourself the, the ability to recover. Uh, well, that's uh, a really, uh, a really good suggestion there. Um, I, last uh, last question from me, and it's now back to my day job and uh, away from your day job. Um, you uh, you when we last had you on, you were talking about uh, you were about to go to court, and uh, you had a tenant that you was was going to be coming out of your uh, out, out of your uh, out of the property, or you were going to apply for that. Um, yes. Uh, what was what was the outcome of the of the court hearing, Sarah? Oh, it was, um, I drove to Margate. Uh, the tenant didn't turn up. Uh, the judge was not very impressed with that. So I was probably in the judge's chambers for about 90 seconds um, before he made a judgment and said he needs to leave. Um, that was the 15th of December, actually. So he gave him two weeks, which I was a little bit surprised about. I thought he might have given him longer. Um, and interestingly, he was supposed to move out on the 3rd of January but he paid his rent on the 1st of January and subsequently said that he hadn't received the letter from the court. Uh, so <laughs> as of today, he still has not moved out. Um, and I just advised him earlier. I said, you need to go this week. Otherwise, I'm going to have to arrange a bailiff. So it's um, still not quite sorted. But the judge has made the judgment in my favour, which is good. Um it was funny because I said to him on the day, I said, can I claim costs? And he said, what do you mean? And I said, oh, the, the five hour journey and the fact that my husband had to take the day off to do all the childcare and the fact that I've lost a day's work. And, and he went, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, it's, uh, it, it was a good idea to, to ask the question anyway. Um, I guess I guess maybe when we if we have you back on in uh, you know later in the year, Sarah, we can yeah we can get a further update on that and, uh, and hear more about it. But um, I I really hope that uh, I really hope that uh, the uh, you know our, our listeners uh, and viewers have uh, have enjoyed this conversation. They found it uh, found it interesting. Um, I think there's there's so many areas and avenues that we can explore um, in time and you know. If, if you're open to it, would like to, would love I'd love to have you back on, and we can focus on some, some specific areas. Um, but otherwise, you know, Sarah, thank you very much for your time. Uh, really appreciated it. Uh, I look forward to seeing you in person soon. Um, could you remind our our listeners and our viewers how how they can get in touch with you? How you know whether they want to be become clients or whether they want to just follow you follow you on various social media? Uh, what's the best What's the best way to get in touch? So thank you. Um, my uh, website is sarahstannard.com. Um, my Instagram is Sarah Stannard Health Coaching and my LinkedIn is Sarah Stannard Health Coaching as well. Um, yeah, so anyone that wants to follow me, that would be great. And um, I'm, I have some space for new clients, not a lot because it's a busy time of year. But, um, but it's been lovely to be here, Michael. It's been great to chat to you. And we definitely have a great conversation because we're both so interested in these health aspects, which I love. So yeah. it's been wonderful. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll continue them offline. All right. Sarah, thanks very much. And, love uh, to see you. Uh, and uh, yeah, we look forward to seeing you soon. Okay, take care. Thanks. Bye-bye.